this is not an outlier. This is a constant and prominent part of today's journalism. Creating some bullshit non-issue that a few trolls will predictably go apeshit over and then reporting on those unrepresentative tweets like all of America is talking about nothing else. Justin Timberlake used a projection of Prince for his Super Bowl halftime show and people are furious. No, nobody cared. People are really mad that Sean White dragged the American flag after he won the gold. No, not even a little, you fucking liars. Just nonsense made to keep you perpetually offended with an endless stream of controversies that aren't controversial and outrageous that aren't outrageous. Because places like the Huffington Post and BuzzFeed and Salon, they make their money by how many clicks they get. Yes, the people who see themselves as morally superior are actually ignoring their sacred job of informing citizens of what's important and instead sowing division for their own selfish ends. Hey, wait, isn't that what Russia was doing to us? <laughs> yeah, it is. And we have to stop both of them from using us as the cocks in their cockfights. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Well, I think we all learned something today. You're goddamn right. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. Like Brian. Yeah, <laughs> Brian. What's your deal, man? Your midweek download destination. I like his style. It's a sort of casual elegance. I'm slaying lame and I'm exposing frauds. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Note to self, don't change for anyone. And note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody, to the Weekly Dose. Which is now all of a sudden turned into a Thursday gig. This is the March 15th edition of the Weekly Dose and the Stone On Air podcast. This supposedly for-profit venture that I still enjoy doing even though it doesn't make me a damn dime. My name is Brian. Hello! Coming up on today's show, a couple of different things. A little bit later on, I'll look back at Stephen Hawkins. I've got a ticket giveaway. I've got to emcee an event this weekend. And the real March Madness. What is the real March Madness? And I've already done this before. I am recycling this segment a little bit. But it's coming from a slightly different angle. I'll... Lay out that menu, if you will, just a little bit more here in just a few minutes as I get the show open underway. Uh, A couple of things before I do that. It does look like that for right now, the show is going to be on a Thursday. Um, I have finally, over the next uh, last three weeks or so, have been able to kind of smooth out the, uh, the the new trivia gig over at the feed company table and tavern and i've talked about it on here a little bit i have not put almost anything on social media about it and a few people have asked me well dude are you going to promote it why you know what's the point why are you doing this well it's a new gig for me it's i've never done it before i've been playing live team trivia for 10 years but i've never hosted it and there's just a whole long list of things that were that needed to be worked out 
And I could see that coming from about 10 miles away. Like as this idea was being put together, it was uh, it wasn't bait and switch or anything like that. But I could tell based on things I won't bore you with that I saw bumps in the road and I'm beginning to feel like I'm psychic. Like I think that I might actually have a superpower or, you know, like a, a, a crystal ball over in the corner that I can actually see the wrecks before they get here. I do it on the damn roads all the time because of my impeccable driving skills. But I I really do start to lay, someone's like, hey, here's what we're going to do. And all you got to do is this. And it's almost never all you got to do is this. It's, it's almost never. It kind of lines up with that whole thing. Be there in five. You're not going to be anywhere in five minutes other than where you're already at right now, right? (laughs) I'll be there in 15 minutes. No, you might consider thinking about leaving in 15 minutes. Almost never is anything as simple as it's laid out in American culture, uh, the way that we live our, you know, our lives these days. Hey, you know, just throw out these simple things. Well, all you got to do is just show up and write this thing, you know, sign up and you're in, man. It's that easy. Nah, probably isn't. All you got to do is enter your email address and you're in. Yeah, sure, right, yeah, like it's always, you know, it's always that simplistic. Most things worth doing are not simple. Most things worth your time and attention usually require attention to detail and troubleshooting and trial and error. So all that to say, that's exactly what I had to deal with for the first two weeks. And it was pretty bad. First week was really bad. Second week was a lot better. This past third week, it's every Tuesday night, at the feed downtown on Main Street this this uh, past Tuesday, it worked out really, really well. And I think going forward now, it is going to go really well. And now I'm going to try to grow it. And now I'm going to try to push it and, and evolve it and change it from what it's at to be in a fun night, you know, between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock on a, um, on a Tuesday evening. And now that the damn uh, daylight savings time is finally here, which will be part of Stone's Throw segment, and it's going to be warming up. I'm really excited about this. Plus, it's technically pretty good money. It's better money than this damn podcast is paying me, and it's basically the same amount of money as the radio gig's paying me. So if that can put it in perspective at all. One week's worth of work at the radio station is in the neighborhood of the same amount of money as one night of work at the feed hosting trivia is. You can look at that however you want. I'm not complaining. I'm not bad-mouthing. I'm not mad at all. I sign up. I get the. I know my deal going in. I, I'm not being surprised by anything. I, I I do my, as they say, due diligence before I just start, you know, flippantly and just kind of, you know, hey, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds like fun. Oh, shit. What am I supposed to do next? So anyway, that's why I put uh, have not been pushing that. I will soon. And that is why the, the podcast has had to be moved to later in the week because Tuesday was recording night. And now that I go over there, that takes up my entire night on Tuesdays. And I hate it because Wednesday, I think, is the best day for the podcast to be available. A midweek download destination. I still think Thursday will work fine, too, but I I, I don't know. But for now, going forward, it's Thursday. One other piece of news. Um, the, this, I hate to say. I've known this for a couple of weeks. I just haven't felt like saying it out loud. The D.C. trip has not been canceled, but the D.C. show, the tour stop at Chatter Restaurant at Tony Kornheiser's, Studios that he records his podcast in, Tony Kornheiser, the old uh, old school uh, sports columnist and a reporter and journalist, blah blah blah, a lot of different things. I can't do it. I can't. I can, but I don't. I don't think I should. My my trip is only going to be four days. My brother's going with me, and I I can't burn up a whole day trying to do a show. And he would help me, but he doesn't want to. He would, but he doesn't want to. And DC is such a congested 
Uh, just small area full of so many people to try to get around town and try to make all this work and make it to these ball games that we're going to. I decided to say, I'm going to make this just a true short vacation and not do any work because I haven't done that in a long time. So I talked with them. They were cool with it. I'm hoping in the future I can get the entire trip paid for. I'll go up there for a weekend and do another show another time later in the year. That's a little bit of a pipe dream, but that's my thoughts on that so far. So, yeah, I'm a little bummed about that, but all good. All right, so final segment. Stephen Hawkins' death made me sit around and think a little bit. I've never thought about this guy for longer than two seconds when he was on a TV show I was watching or whatever and got me realizing just how incredibly dumb we are in this country. I can't speak for other countries. I've never been to any other country outside of this continent. I've stepped foot in Mexico. I've stepped foot in Canada, and I've been here in the United States. That's that's it. But we're dumb, man. We are really, really dumb. And not all of us, but it seems like most of us. We'll get to that in the final segment of the show. Stones Throw, the real March Madness. And it does have to do with the time change. And I've already done this before. I'm going to do it again with just a slightly different look at some of the history of Daylight Savings Time. And who actually is in charge of Daylight Savings Time and all the time zones in the United States of America? You might be, no, I'll take that back. You will be surprised to hear who actually controls that. So we'll do that in Stone's Throw. And here in the first segment, I'm going to give away tickets to the Honest Pint and the St. Paddy's Day Party on the Parkway going on the 17th of March. I am the MC. I'll be there all day long. Weather so far looks like it should cooperate and it will be a little bit warmer. There will be some rain, but I think it'll dodge in and out. I do not think that'll be a big problem. But coming up here at the end of this first segment, I'm going to spin the prize wheel. And I have three different prize wheels. I have the old, dusty, traditional prize wheel that I have over in the closet. I'll have to drag it out. Then I have the new prize roulette wheel where we spin the ball around the thing, I guess. I don't gamble, but that's how that works. You spin it around, and then that'll fall on a winner. And then I have also the new 8-bit Nintendo-style virtual prize wheel. So we'll spin all three of those. We'll get three winners, and we'll do that after I talk to Stratton Tingle, who's going to be calling me here any minute on the Stone On Air Newsmaker line, which you can call at any time, 301-8080-301-8080-423-301-8080 and leave a message and your voice might make it onto the show. And up, up there, that's the Stone On Air Newsmaker line ringing right now. One of the prominent organizers of the event this weekend, the Party on the Parkway, is Stratton Tingle on the line with me now, the executive director of Soundcore and uh, Stratton the other day I was looking at somebody's Instagram I believe it was Tia Caps a mutual friend of ours <laughs> and I saw yeah. that you were in pictures in I saw the location SXSW and I was like I wonder That's you know right. sometimes Instagram isn't always so instant so I wondered if maybe it was last week or something, but no, clearly that's where you are right now, South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Yeah. First of all, thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me, man. We got yeah, the we got the big we got the big show coming up this weekend, which we'll talk more about at the end at the Honest Pint. We'll get to what Soundcore is too, as well. But South by cool. Southwest, you just told me you've been there. Uh, what you said five times. Give the average yeah. festival goer like myself who who hasn't been to something quite like this because it's more like a conference. It's like a fil- right. film, gaming, music. Uh, give me a somebody who's got experience going to this uh, incredible Austin festival. Yeah. So. I- 
my first uh, couple of times going to South by Southwest was with my band Prophets and Kings back in the day. And uh, we played it a couple of times and we just kind of went as as kind of scumbags. We, we weren't official selections, but we know it's the place to be to meet a lot of people. And that was true. And then my life really sort of changed pretty big time when I went for the first year as a conference attendees. And the reason why that changed is because the conference is really where, for musicians anyway, I'm not sure that it's true for film and interactive, but for music, the conference is really where you make a lot of connections and, and, and do a lot of learning. As someone with, without, you know, I don't have a music business background. I have more of, an, more of an art background. So attending the conference is really where I, I got sort of on fire with a lot of the actual business stuff and, and making connections that really did advance my career in a lot of ways and help me, you know, be more professional about things. So um, that's, that's sort of when things changed. This year is very different for me because I am here simply supporting a good friend of mine. Um, you mentioned Tia already. Tia Caps is a good friend and, and her younger sister Morgan is a really good friend. Morgan, I'm excited to say, has debuted her first feature-length documentary. It documents an art collective out of Santa Fe, New Mexico called Meow Wolf. And it's, the, the movie's called Meow Wolf origin story and, and it world premiered here at South by Southwest last Saturday night. So today's Thursday. So we were there for the beginning and, and kind of doing moral support, you know, basically other than that, I've, I've really just kind of been working from working remotely. The So you've come from a lot of different angles at this festival. How, it, it's, it feels like it's more, and I, I pretty much know it is, it's more than just like you go to Bonnaroo, you go to an event, you go to a, a, mm -hmm. a, an event space, if you will. You go to a, a, a forecastle. It's it's kind of understood where you're going. This sounds like this is in the entire damn city. I mean, is, is that it, is that almost literal? Yeah, uh, yeah it is. Absolutely. Um, there are events happening, if official and unofficial, um, all over the city at, at many different venues. If, if you want to get into some really good shows, you need to have a badge. The best way to get a badge, especially if you're an artist, is to be an official selection artist or a music business or any, you know filmmaker or something like that and have some some project that's actually an official selection in the festival that will get you into a lot of events and a lot of shows but there's a ton of stuff that happens outside the festival that is free or not closed down to only south by southwest official attendees and where the so, well, as you as you proclaim that the scumbags uh will play often <laughs> right exactly yeah that absolutely there's a ton of ton of offshoots and a ton of just diy you know everybody's kind of doing a diy things so it's i don't know it's 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 wild man there's a lot of art happening here right now i'm gonna have to make it one of these days stratton tingle the executive director of soundcore is my guest and while i mentioned soundcore to anybody who doesn't know uh, what soundcore is uh give me a, a quick you know elevator speech as they call it of, of what your organization soundcore is and what you guys do we help people in chattanooga's music industry to make more money the official and, and more boring way of saying that is is that we focus on economic development in the local in the local music scene. But really, what what that really means is we help people in the music industry to create jobs, to consider their project as a business, to accelerate that business, to make smart moves with their decisions, sort of in that business mindset, and try to offer more opportunities to people as well and help them build their their skills somewhat. But but we're really, really business focused. So if you're a musician specifically or any kind of music industry hopeful, whether that's a manager or a venue owner or a sound recording studio owner, 
we offer resources to really help you streamline your career, think through the future, and make the make smart moves for yourself. We're we're close to the same age, and and I played in in garage band style when I was younger, and, and ran with a lot of the some of the bands that are still playing now, like people like Dan and T J Griever and uh, Jonathan Sussman, yeah. people like that. And it's amazing to you know when you're in your mid to late thirties, as opposed to when you're in your mid to early twenties, how um how you might react to somebody like yourself saying, "Hey, here's how you do things." I could see right. being twenty two years old saying whatever a weirdo with the dreads get out of my face man i don't want to hear what you have to say i i know what i'm yeah. doing i mean i i yeah. just i just know the attitude of people i was around then and just being young and dumb how's that that interaction been with the youthful uh kind of rebirth almost we've had of, of, of a lot of new bands i haven't heard of a bunch of these guys road to nightfall there's a lot of new young bands out there these days has that scene been receptive to what you're trying to do you know, so, some people get it, some people don't. I would say that I don't hear that much from the people who don't because we're Soundcore is a, is a one one employee organization, which is which is just me right now. I, I take a lot of a lot of emails and have a lot of conversations with the people who do get it. And a lot of those people do. A lot of those people are young people. So people that may not get it are probably just not calling me or hitting me up or uh, or trying to perform at any of the various sort of opportunities that we've that we've built. So. I feel good about it. <laughs> there's a, there's a ton of new bands, like you say. Yeah. Um, so people are people are taking advantage of what we have to offer. So I I was sitting with you. It was in the neighborhood of three years ago in your office uh, when you were first yeah. getting this thing going. Yeah. Between now and, and and then, which I don't know if it's thir- three full years, but it was close. Where would you put your uh, your progress? Your how would you describe your success or your uh, the the leaps that you've made and 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 some things you have into the future as we get we're still new into the year, but it's moving yeah. fast. Yeah, we've been we've been extremely successful with the programming that we've pulled off so far. Our take note quarterly professional development events are, are extremely well attended. Our sidewalk stages street performance program has been sort of the most probably surprising thing to me. Focus on activating public spaces in Chattanooga with live local music. Um, we have so much engagement there, and and our online directory boasts over a thousand profiles. Like our local music industry directory has over a thousand profiles on it of artists, managers, publicists, publishers, and the list kind of goes on and on and on. So um, we're really happy with that progress. I think that, you know, as we look internally, as, as I kind of alluded to a, a little bit ago, it's a real focus to build our revenue and hire some staff because it, it really all, all the work rests on my shoulders. And that's everything from the monthly accounting to the design work to the marketing online and, and, and elsewhere to doing interviews like this to creating new programs and building systems. And I have really wonderful uh, volunteer board of directors and, and other volunteers and really great interns that do put in hours. But at the I, end of the I, day, you're a one man band, dude. <laughs> pretty much. It'll work better when we've got some staff. And, 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 and if anybody can understand what it's like to be a one man band, trust me, I understand that as well. So that will just segue into the show this weekend. St. Patrick's Day, Saturday, a all local show would make sense to have you involved. I, I don't remember in the past. This is the fifth annual event a party at the Parkway. Yeah. Have you been involved yeah. in years past or is it, are you just on now? So this is the third year that Soundcore has been a partner in the program. And it's it's been a really, I mean, all props go to Matt Lewis and, and the Honest Pint and yeah. the team over there because he is eager to partner with, with the local music scene, is down to pay bands, is down to, he's, he's a great guy. Um, but yeah, this we're, we're really proud of being part of the program this year. And we thought that being the fifth year, we would do an amazing all local bill. 
just as a sort of like little milestone celebration. And it's, and it's kind of a milestone and celebration of, of the progress that Chattanooga Music has made over the last few years. You know, we've got a super strong bill, really fun. It's, it's going to be a day packed, packed with great bands. And, and Yeah, I'm, focus- I'm, I'm focusing on uh, some of those today and playing some music from some of the bands. I mean, Strong is the headliner. Dan, yep. uh, Danimal Planet would be uh, right below him. Any others you want to yep. throw out there? I don't have the schedule in front of me. Anything you want to get out for as far as that is it is on the 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day. It's, right. We got ourselves a loaded weekend. There's a lot going on, and this being one of the highlights of the weekend. But go ahead. We've got over 15 bands, so it starts off with a sort of a bluegrass brunch showcase with Matt Downer and a, and a number of other uh, – Owen Saunders, I believe, is playing, who's an amazing fiddler. We've got Sunsap, Kerchief, Over Easy, Monday Night Social, Caney Village, Slim Pickens will be playing the outdoor stage. The Molly Maguires, of course, that's a St. Patrick's Day staple. Danimal Planet, Dead Testament, Strung Like a Horse – Ashley and the exes and and Trez, uh, Trez always sort of brings the house down at the end of the night, which is I don't know if you if you've ever heard or seen Trez, but the honest point absolutely basically just pulls down the roof whenever he starts playing at 1 a.m. and it's it's a really good party. And only so, heard only heard of it, so I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't want to drive anybody away or scare anybody because the news I think is actually going to be good. But have you have you been stressing or sweating out the weather situation yet, or have you just decided to not look nah. at that yet? No, I've, I look at it, but there's you really can't stress about it. You can just you can only plan for it. So we do have some contingencies. It's looking um, all right. I just looked as of uh, uh, middle of the week. It's looking like there might be a little rain early, but I think we're going to have a dry day. And I'm not just saying yeah. that to try to encourage people. I truly believe I think we're going to have a dry yeah. day. Regardless of what happens, we will have ponchos on the scene if, if folks forget to bring their umbrellas. And, and we're go- we're doing this thing regardless. So um, we're turning up no matter rain or shine. And it will be in the 70s, too, which I can dig on that all day long. Yeah, it's going to be great. Stratton Tingle is my guest, executive director. By the way, yes. by the way Brian Stone is in seeing the event. That's, Hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I left out the most important part oh wait no it's not even close to the important part yes i'll be there all day long because of weather issues i probably won't try to record anything it definitely looking forward to spending the day outside and uh drinking irish beer and pretending to be irish like everybody else so it's going to be a lot of fun <laughs> stratton man those dreads th- 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 every now and again you just wake up and say man i am tired of these damn things or no is, way, it just, is it just is it just is there a love affair with them oh yeah no they 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 definitely give me life give me energy Break down a lot of barriers in, in conversations and, and yeah. really open up the world for me. All right. Well, keep keep it going. It's a good look, man. Stratton Tickle, we'll see you on Saturday, man. All right, Brian. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. All right, now let's get down to business. Tickets to give away. All you had to do was like, share, comment, retweet, repost on social media, anything I put out in the last week, and you were qualified. And I appreciate you guys for uh, for getting interactive because I had a lot of response, and I, uh, I absolutely do think that's pretty awesome. So here's what we're going to do. I've got all the names and all these prize wheels. So now I pulled out the old dusty prize wheel, that the traditional style that I've used over the years to pick winners. Let's go ahead and spin the traditional prize wheel here on the Stone on Air podcast, a weekly dose for March 15th. All right, there she goes. A lot of names on there. Stratton Tingle liked one of my posts, but we just talked to him. He's not eligible. Brad Steiner, I hope he doesn't win. Hey, there's my former friend that's a girl. I really hope she doesn't win, to be honest with you. Let's see, who's it going to be? Where's it stop? And it stops on Ginger Alyssa Sullivan. Ginger Alyssa Sullivan. I don't have my applause hotkey going, so I'll just clap for you. Ginger Alyssa Sullivan is going to the Honest Pint this weekend. All right, so now let's try the roulette wheel. Now, I've never really gambled or played any of this stuff before, 
but I know you just spin this thing around and then the ball bounces around and I got all the names on there too. So let's go ahead and do the, the roulette prize wheel. All right. Balls flying around there. Lots of different colors. There's Nate Gale, my buddy, Nate Gale. Intern Alex. Come on. You don't want to go to this. Clint Hardman. Is it going to be Clint? Oh, it just went past Clint's name and it went to Judy Nipper. Judy Nipper is the winner of the second pair of Party on the Parkway tickets. And we'll get one more winner here with the, I'm calling it the 8-bit virtual prize wheel. The 8-bit virtual prize wheel. You'll probably get what I mean by that when you hear it. So the last names are on here and we'll let it fly for the final pair of tickets. <laughs> there we go. Fake Leslie Dale, you're not qualified. Real Leslie Dale, you're not qualified. John Wise, when did he like what has gone? And the winner is, I'll be Dan, my old buddy Keith from our trivia playing nights. Keith, and I'm sorry, Keith, I've never known how to say your last name right. It's Y-I-U-M. Keith Yim, maybe? I'll get a hold of everybody, and I'll put out a video on Facebook later on in the afternoon on Thursday before or Friday before we get to St. Patrick's Day so you can see I actually picked the names and didn't do any favoritism, which I can do if I want to because this is my party and I'll do whatever I want. But I wanted to, out of respect to everybody who did like and share and comment and repost and get involved, I really did appreciate that. So I wanted to make sure it was a true, authentic giveaway. So look for that here shortly. March Madness is here. Everybody's excited. Today's the day when all the games start all weekend long. People can't wait for March Madness. I'll tell you what the real March Madness is in Stone's Throw. Heads up. It's Stone's Throw. Wait, what? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. Beep, beep. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? All right, so it was just a couple of months ago that I went down this road because of legislation that is being sponsored, or at least introduced and then co-sponsored by many local and somewhat local uh, legislators, Mike Carter from Ottawa, Patsy, hell, I don't remember her name. I don't have the list in front of me. Handful that were from around here, some others from more rural Tennessee, but legislation to put an end to what I am calling the official March Madness. Forget basketball. Forget the NCAA. Forget four straight days of nothing but college basketball this weekend that we refer to madness. The real March Madness is changing these damn clocks every single March. And then the madness is repeated in, when is it? I think it's October. Maybe it's November. I think it's November now, actually. They moved it uh, about 10 years ago to further on end of the year, which I'll get more into that uh, specific here in just a few minutes. But the point being, those are both maddening concepts. I'm tired of them. And most everybody walking around is tired of it from certain different angles. Every, we, we're all, we all, none of us like it. We just like it and dislike it for different reasons. And when I say tired, that literally tired. It's making people exhausted in the first couple of weeks of March. Now, 
I, I operate differently than everybody else. So just because the clocks change doesn't mean you can't get more sleep if you want it. I can barely get the damn sleep no matter what the hell the damn clock says. So that's a, a less of a concern for me, but a major co- concern for certain people who have uh, very regulated sleep and awake schedules and work schedules and those kinds of things. But so why do I bring this back up after I just went on off um, on this a couple of months ago? Well, because it just happened this past week, and the legislation is to change daylight savings time to the new standard time to keep it where it is right here, right now. Let the natural rotation of the sun and the earth and the stars and the planets and the galaxy and all the stuff that Stephen Hawking knows all about, which I'll get into next segment. Let it just do its thing, man. Don't get in there and artificially start messing with it. There's no reason to do it anymore. I think I talked about this in the last podcast that I had this whole segment. It was that it's not that it's such a drastic change because it's really not. It's all about perception. We all live in a perception-based world. Reality is reality. Fake is fake, but your perception is more powerful than fake and reality, right? I mean, it's what you actually think and the way you operate every day that's more important, at least in your everyday interactions and how you live your life. Fake is more important. Real is more important, at least understanding the two. And perception is what takes precedence when you're dealing with trivial and the less important things in your life. Right. So the, the, the sun moves and the times change, or, or at least the times that sunrise and sunset is all year long, all year long. But then all of a sudden we flip a switch and jump at one more hour. And it's just like, oh, shock to the system. Oh, man, we just jumped three out. No, you jumped the one hour. It was dark at 630 last week. Now it's 730 this week. It's, it's not that big a difference. But you're not paying attention because you've been gradually moved in that direction and it has not affected your life. Just let that happen. Let that happen all year long. This is from the USA Today from a couple uh, days ago, right before the clocks change. Daylight saving time is almost here. Again, it was right before it happened last week. And it's turning 100 years old. It survived the Great Depression, World War II, an endless gnashing of teeth about its good and bad points. And March celebrates its 100th birthday here in the United States. Daylight saving time was first enacted by the federal government March 19, 1918, during World War I as a way to conserve coal. Anything done during World War I to conserve coal isn't something we necessarily need to be doing now. Sidebar, back to the piece from the USA Today. And though it was halted nationally later that year, it persisted in some form at local or state levels for decades before being finally officially recognized again nationally in 1966 by the Uniform Time Act. Things going on in 1966 shouldn't have any relevance today other than for historical perspective. But here's the interesting part right here. Who is in charge of time? Surprisingly, the Department of Transportation, the DOT, is in charge of daylight savings time and all time zones in the United States. The DOT says daylight savings time is observed because it saves energy, saves lives by preventing traffic accidents, and also reduces crime. You believe in this bullshit? <laughs> I mean, if you want to put, put this out here, that's fine. But are you believing this? The agency boasts people tend to spend more time outside during daylight saving time, meaning they run household appliances and and lights less during those eight months. That likely could be true. Also, the DOT says it prevents traffic incidents because people are driving around more during the light hours. All right, okay, I'll give you that. It also is a crime deterrent 
the DOT claims, because people are out during the daylight and not at night. Quote, when more crime occurs, the agency says. Daylight saving time now accounts for 65% of the year. So for 65% of the year, the DOT thinks that the, the daylight saving time prevents traffic accidents and also reduces crime. So naturally, I guess what we would need to do is then around November, flip the clocks back and let's make traffic accidents go up and let's increase crime rates. That doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense. <laughs> what, what is that all about? If it's so important to saving lives and reducing crime and reducing traffic incidents, why would you spend 35% of the year in a more dangerous climate? You wouldn't, because none of that stuff's true. Even if there is a little bit of anecdotal portions of it in all of our lives that is true, I don't like driving at night. I hate to sound like such an old dude. Driving at night sucks. I can't see as well as I used to just from the, when the lights are down, when it's real dark, I don't see as well. During the daylight, I see 20-20 perfectly. I do not like to drive at night. So the fact that they're saying that driving at night is more dangerous than driving during the day, well, that's true anecdotally to me. I don't know if that's true across the board and saving lives or either way or, or, or in increasing risk of, of traffic incidents. I don't know if any of that's true. But if it is true, let's just go, let's just say that it is true. Let's just say that it is true on this piece from the USA Today, quoting the, the Department of Transportation. I'll just go ahead and go out there and say that is absolutely factual. Then why in the hell would you voluntarily, purposely make traffic incidents more likely and increase crime rates by changing the clocks in November? Why would you do that? You wouldn't do that because they don't actually believe any of that's true. And even if they do believe it's true, they don't care. That's not what this is about. I don't know what it's about. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any damn sense. And Marco Rubio, I saw the other day, is actually sponsoring a bill or at least a part of an of a, of a, of a introduced bill in Florida to do the same thing. It's like the Forrest Gump thing. When he gets the Apple company, you know, the fruit company, says, we don't have to worry about money no more. Well, that's good. One less thing. How about let's just do our best to have one less thing to worry about? And how about one of those things being, we don't have to worry about changing the damn clocks. If 65% of the year we're safer and crime rates go down, assuming all that's true, why would we change it to, to where it's, it, it, it's the opposite of that? We shouldn't do it. It doesn't make any sense. It's dumb. Stop. Stop being dumb. Stop doing dumb things. Congress, House, Senates, Presidents. Every now and again, how about some legislation that actually affects average, ordinary assholes like you and me walking around? How about every now and again, us dickheads get something that actually affects our life immediately? Not some ideological gun debate or some kind of ideological soaked in religious argument or something, you know, something that doesn't immediately do anything that we all, you know, South Park rabble rabble ourselves about. How about every now and again we do some actual legislation that immediately affects our everyday life? This is one of them. Make it happen. Support the legislators who are pushing something like this. Because every year I got to sit around and watch people bitch and moan all over social media or in real life or in small talk conversations. Oh, my God, I'm so tired. Oh, my God, we're losing an hour. Oh, my God, it's ruined my life. Then why don't we do something about it? Then why don't we actually push for something that actually affects our everyday life? That's all I'm saying. That is all I am saying, bro. 
All right, I'm going to go on out here and get to the final segment of the show. This is a band called Kerchief. They're going to be in the middle of the stack on the outdoor stage on the Party on the Parkway at the Honest Pint coming up on St. Patrick's Day. I saw them at the Road to Nightfall, and I heard just a little bit of music that day before I got there to prep for the show as I was doing interviews last year, and I was immediately like, oh, hell, this is good. And I gushed when I talked to them. It's a girl lead singer, a couple of dudes uh, as a rhythm section. And I, I I gushed. And I don't do that very often. I went on and on to them about how great I thought they were because I truly meant it. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing them this Saturday. Hopefully see you this Saturday as I'll be emceeing the St. Patrick's Day Party in the Parkway at Honest Pine. Stephen Hawking's death makes me realize how dumb we all actually are. I'll get to that next. life was incredible, even more so because in the 1960s he was diagnosed with ALS or motor neurone disease and given just a few years to live. This rare form of motor neurone disease left him virtually paralysed, unable to express his profound vision of humanity and science without a voice synthesizer. Shadows cast over town, there's something going down. I communicate with a computer system in a box in the back of my wheelchair. On the computer, I run a program called Equalizer. A cursor moves across the upper part of the screen. I can stop it by pressing a switch in my hand. In this way, I can select words which are printed on the lower part of the screen. When I have built up a sentence, I can send it to a speech synthesizer. I can write equations in words and the program translates them into symbols and prints them out on paper in the appropriate type. I can also give lectures. I write a lecture beforehand and save it on disk. I can then send it to the speech synthesizer a sentence at a time. It works quite well and I can try out the lecture and polish it before I give it. In a similar way, I can make a CD-ROM. But to do this, I need a little help from my friends. I get by with a little help from my friends. And isn't that line, I get by with a little help from my friends at the end of that, just so cool, I guess, best way to put it. Welcome back to the show. This is Sunset. Local band going to be playing at the Honest Pint on St. Patrick's Day, party on the parkway. Hope to see you there. Come by and say hello if you do. You know what I love about science? It can be proven. That's what I love about science. 
I'm not really a faith-based guy. I don't put my faith in things that I can't at least somewhat understand. I don't even have to completely understand it. I just have to somewhat understand it. Or at least take people's word for it who I know actually can understand it. And it's kind of remarkable how American culture has been the last several generations in modern 20th century America where being cool was always more prevalent than being smart. And in the last couple of generations, being smart has become... It's become something that we don't strive for as young people and young generations. It is... How the hell did that happen? Why did that happen? I could spend a whole show on that. I wasn't going to go down that direction. I just started just rambling off like I normally do. But it started in generations before mine, which is, you know, still that sandwich generation, but it is not cool to be smart in America. Bookworms, dorks, nerds, scientists. It's not cool to do that. Even into your late ages. I mean, I refer to kids as like 25-year-olds. That's probably not fair to everybody. But early 20s, late teens, 18, 19, 20, it is not cool to be smart. And that's why we got so many numbnuts and dullards walking around. Because for generationally, we have become a bunch of just dumbasses. And I'm right there. I am right there in this mix. I'm not calling you or anybody walking around who never listens to this show ever or any any anybody out there. I'm not putting anybody in a different category than I am putting myself in right now of a bunch of damn dumb assholes walking around. I just think that American culture accepts and in many ways breeds and sometimes even encourages being dumb, not understanding much other than how to be cool and how to have fun and how to shotgun a beer, or how to get a pretty girl, or how to look good on church on Sunday, or how to impress people, or how to you know keep up with all the Joneses. It's like that's the important part, and this isn't just children. This is a generational thing of modern 20th century, 20th century America and into the 21st century. It's really, really disappointing. Because now I'm fascinated by science. I'm fascinated by mathematics. I'm fascinated by high-end of academia. But at going on 40 years old, my brain d- didn't get developed over the course of time of the, my most influential and uh, potentially g- mind and brain growth years. And yeah, of course, I, I'm not that old. I could still be able to, to expand my educational horizons. But Jesus, I'm stuck in a, you know these countless jobs now again and working around the clock to just try to get through this crazy life we live. So I don't blame myself on that end. I blame myself as a child, as a kid, as a teenager, as, a, as, a, as an adolescent, as an early 20-something. I've said it many times, I won the genetic lottery. That's not me bragging. I didn't have a damn thing to do with that. I won the genetics lottery. I'm a perfectly, well, I was, proportioned, body type, white, American male, with no outstanding blemishes, with high metabolism, an excellent immune system, and a fully functional processing brain that could have, could have, with 10 to 12, 13 years of real hardcore understanding, education, and seriousness, could have been an incredibly intelligent person who had massive storage of information in my brain and could have done anything with it. 
And instead, I learned how to play guitar. I learned how to audio edit. I learned how to play on the radio. I learned how to smoke pot. I learned how to drink beers. I learned how to become an alcoholic. I learned how to uh, play trivia week once a week. I learned how to just live a typical life that a lot of other people live. I'm not all overly mad at myself about it. That's just the, the route that I chose. And now at this point in life, there's really no going back. I can't become a scientist now. I can't become an engineer now. I can't learn the things that I would like to learn. And I think that's a typical story of the last 75 years. And I look around, I, I, I realize that not many people I know are really all that smart. There's not that many intelligent people around me. And even when they are, and I do and can recognize the intelligence levels, I think we all waste it. I think we all waste it. And I just was thinking about it a lot today after doing a lot of reading up on Stephen Hawking's because Stephen Hawking's for America is like a pop culture reference with the wheelchair and uh, and the robot talking thing. He's on Simpsons and, and uh, Star Trek and the Big Bang Theory. And and I think to most of us walking around, Stephen Hawking is almost like a cartoon character. He's a television prop. And in reality, the guy is one of the most incredible human beings to ever live, and he hasn't been able to use anything other than his brain. He hasn't been able to use anything in his body, or at least very limited use of any action of his body, his mouth, his eyes, his, you know, his, his hands, his legs, for like the last 40 years. The only thing that works perfectly is his brain. And meanwhile, the rest of us are running around where our brain is not functioning worth a damn, but all the rest of us is. And and we look around like, this is what we did with this? Everything we got, hands, I've got my hands flying up in the air right now, my feet, my hands, my nose, my ears, my eyes, everything functions perfectly, except for my damn brain. And here's this guy who's got a brain that could quite possibly be one of the most fascinating brains in the history of the world, and the guy can't do anything else other than just his brain work and then have to work around with the... That's why I put the, the that that intro with him talking about how he communicates. I got to thinking earlier, I was like, I don't even know, how, how does this guy do this? Like, I didn't even know, because I didn't bother to look. I didn't bother to spend any time, because I've fallen right into that category that I'm mad at. I'm not mad at you, I'm mad at me. I'm not mad at them, I'm mad at us. That we've wasted such, such luxury and such wealth. And I mean wealth and in information, wealth in possibility and wealth in actual cash dollars. We've all done it. Collectively, it's us. And Stephen Hawking, I don't even understand anything I'm reading here. This is how sophisticated this is, that even when it's dumbed down for idiots like me to read, I still can't understand it. Just simply from the Wikipedia page, just who is Stephen Hawking? Of course, I know you know, but probably didn't know this. I didn't until I looked at it today. Was an English theoretical physicist, cosmologist, an author and director of research at the Center for Theoretical Cosmology. His scientific works include a collaboration with Roger Penrose on gravitational singularity theorems in the framework of general relativity and the theoretical prediction that black holes emit radiation, often called Hawking radiation. I don't know what a goddamn bit of that means. (laughs) I don't know what any of that means. And so earlier today, I was reading a uh, New York Times piece that just kind of was going on and on about it. And his big thing was this black holes thing. Somehow he found out that black holes actually emit energy or something. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, even reading simple 
layman terms, br- dumbed down versions of what this guy did, I still don't get it. And then just having to deal with the fact the guy got ALS, ALS kills everybody else. It did like very quickly. It didn't kill him. It allowed him to live with it his entire life. It's just a remarkable story all the way around that I I've is not new. Hey, dummy. What, you didn't know this already? No. No, I didn't. Or at least I just didn't pay any damn attention to it. So right in the middle of this piece from the New York Times, the disease reduces bodily control to the flexing of a finger and voluntary eye movements, but left his mental faculties untouched. Over the years, everything would fail him except for his brain. It's absolutely remarkable. He went on to become his generation's leader in exploring gravity and the properties of black holes. The bottomless gravitational pits so deep and dense that not even light can escape them. That work led to a turning point in modern physics, playing itself out in the closing months of 1973 on the walls of his brain when Dr. Hawking set out to apply quantum theory, the weird laws that govern subatomic reality, to black holes. In a long and daunting calculation, Dr. Hawking discovered to his befuddlement that black holes, those mythological avatars of cosmic doom, were not really black at all. In fact, he found they would eventually fizzle, leaking radiation and particles, and finally explode and disappear over the eons. Nobody, including Dr. Hawking, believed it at first, that particles could be coming out of a black hole. Quote, I wasn't looking for them at all, he recalled in 1978. I merely tripped over them. I was rather annoyed. That calculation in a thesis published in 1974 in the journal Nature under the title Black Hole Explosions, question mark, is hailed by scientists as the first great landmark in the struggle to find a single theory of nature to connect gravity and quantum mechanics. Those warring descriptions of the large and the small to explain a universe that seems stranger than anybody had thought. The discovery of Hawking radiation, as it is known, turned black holes upside down. It transformed them from destroyers to creators, or at least to recyclers, and wrenched the dream of a final theory in a strange new direction. And I'll leave it right there. Once again, I don't know what in the hell it is I just read. Other than, I'm guessing... That is where the idea of the Big Bang Theory comes from. That is the idea of where creation can happen out of some kind of space, (laughs) whatever, mixture that turns into... I mean, listen how stupid I am. Listen how dumb I sound trying to, hey, let me try to put it in layman's terms for you. I can't do it. But that's what that sounds like. It's absolutely fascinating just to read. And yes, I know, none of this is new. I'm going to wrap this thing up here in just a minute. I just, I thought, I, I started looking at his life and his biographies and his Wikipedia and all the posts out there and all the social media and got to realize, man, I didn't know anything about this guy. And as I get older, I really am fascinated by intelligence, by science, and by math. I'm not any good at it, but I am absolutely fascinated with it. And if we can figure out a way to get kids more fascinated with these things at an early age, we're going to have one hell of a future for the next several generations but if we continue to dumb them down with the ridiculous bullshit nature of of our of our mainstream american culture of shoot 'em up games and movies the stupid ass walking dead which i watch every damn week stupid movies stupid shows stupid books stupid games stupid life we're gonna get nothing more 
but that over and over again, and worse and worse and worse. Garbage in, garbage out. You know all that. One thing I did dig up from his uh, one of his biography pages I was looking at, religion. Some of his thoughts that I just wanted to throw out there, and I will not have any extra commentary, and then I will put the wraps on this show, the Stone On Air podcast, for March 15th, 2018. Hawking stated that he was, quote, not religious in the normal sense, and he believed that, quote, the universe is governed by the laws of science. Hawking stated, there is a fundamental difference between religion, which is based on authority, and science, which is based on observation and reason. Science will win because science works. He told American television show Curiosity on the Discovery Channel in 2008, we are each free to believe what we want, and it is my view that the simplest explanation is there is no God. No one created the universe, and no one directs our fate. This leads me to a profound realization. There is probably no heaven and no afterlife either. We have this one life to appreciate the grand design of the universe, and for that, I am extremely grateful. I'll have no additional commentary at this time. I appreciate you guys finding the show. Like, share, and always love. Rate and review if you get a chance. If you're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, any of those places that says, hey, what do you think about this? If you like it, say you like it. If you hate it, say you hate it. If you don't want to do either, hell, I can't make you. I'm just glad you're here listening. (laughs) If I've got you that far, I guess I should uh, just be happy with what I got, right? We'll do the show again next week on a Thursday. The Feed Company, Table and Tavern, every Tuesday, 8 to 10, live team trivia. Come out there and see me. Finally got the kinks worked out and having a little bit of fun with it. On the way out here, this is Ashley and the X's. Greasy Rick, who plays with Nick Let's Go. You know the puppet cartoon-esque character. He is actually the bass player for that band and has been for a long time. And uh, looking forward to that show in the afternoon on St. Patrick's Day. Party in the Parkway at the Honest Pint. I'll be hanging out there all day long. Come by and say hello. Anything else? I don't think so. I'm ready to call it a night and take off a day or two before I get ready for a big weekend. So we'll talk to you then. Do not be a fraud. The truth is easy to remember. Hashtag white lies matter. Hashtag black lies matter. Hashtag every single lie matters. And the truth is always easy to remember. We'll do it again next week. See you. Bye.